Well, hello. It's time for another episode of Crime Wave, the podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense authors and the stories behind their stories. Crime Wave is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Bonner Spring, and my guest today is debut author Lisa Malice. Lisa is a psychologist turned thriller writer who loves being part of a community of crime-loving writers and readers. A compulsive volunteer, and let me attest to that because I've seen Lisa volunteering. A compulsive volunteer. You could often find Lisa interviewing an author for a feature on ITW's digital magazine, The Big Thrill, planning an author event for her Sisters in Crime chapter on the Florida Gulf Coast, or working at the registration table at BoucherCon and Thriller Fest. She lives in the Tampa area with her husband, where they enjoy sailing, fishing, and long walks on the beach of Ancho Key. So welcome to Crime Wave, Lisa. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, it's really nice to have you on. And wow, congratulations on your debut. Long time coming, right? Mm-hmm. And let's see, your book launch was less than two months ago, back in December. And since this is all still so fresh for you, um, I have to start there. How do you feel? You know, has your life changed since your beautiful book baby came into the world? Um, it's just been so wonderful. I had uh, no idea, you know, how well received it would be. And my publisher, CamCat, actually started me out on a a book tour, virtual book tour. So people were doing reviews and, and I was doing interviews and uh, writing blog posts and things like that. But when the reviews started coming in, I was rather blown away by how much people loved it. The cover, they loved the cover. They uh, loved the audiobook and the narrators. They just loved the story. And so it was kind of blowing me away. And so it's been just one whirlwind um, week to the other. I'm really happy to hear that. It's nice. It's amazing how much it can change your life, I think, to to go from being, let's say, a writer to being the author. You know, it's great. Um, Has anything surprised you? Like, for example, I bet a lot of people at events or on, on blog posts have wanted to know some of the same things, you know, things that I'm probably going to ask you today as well. But there are always outliers. Have you gotten any weird questions yet? Um, not really. I, I did have one gentleman um, come up to me and talk to me about Dissociative Fugue, and he was working on um, a, his own story. He wanted to know more about Dissociative Fugue and uh, which is psychological amnesia, basically. So that's amnesia that doesn't have a, a physical reason for that. And um, so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's the, about the weirdest thing. Okay, well, that's more intellectual than I suppose. Yeah. Totally, totally weird. Um, I guess as, as someone with a tad more experience than you, not a whole lot, I have to say that I've had some doozies over the years, so be prepared. Just okay. smile. <laughs> Okay. This one. Um, do you are you still on the book tour? Do you have ongoing plans for meeting readers? Actually, I do. Um, I was up in Minnesota, which is my home state, and I was working on some plans for there. I'm going to be appearing um, at uh, a college alumni lun- uh, luncheon with um, and and talking to uh, alumni. Um, I've got uh, book club meetings coming up in Atlanta and in Minnesota and here in. Um, Florida, and some are virtual as well. Um, I do have some bookstore events planned. It's um, it's not always the easiest thing to, to plan these and get, get into the bookstores in particular, but um, 
so that's that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a wonderful way to to launch your debut. Um, it, I, do you remember the expression "you never get a second chance to make a first impression"? I think that that's extremely important. And you, I have to say, Lisa, are incredibly lucky. My debut came out in. 2020. January of 2020. Exactly. And so I had, similar to you, I had a whole bunch of events lined up. And then all of a sudden, let's see if let's see if the audio will pick up. Kapow. <laughs> everything, everything was over. And it was still pandemic when my second book came out. So that was everything. So make absolutely make the most of it. That's wonderful. Now let's backtrack a bit so I can ask you um, some of these questions that listeners always want to know. Let's start here. Um, when did you know you wanted to write fiction? In other words, can you talk a little bit about yourself and the path that leads up to lest we, lest she forget? And I'm sorry, I should have mentioned this name before I got started. Your debut is called Lest She Forget, and I forgot. Yes, yes. Um, I've always loved mysteries and, and thrillers. I, it's something I got from my mother. Uh, we were always listening to the CBO, CBS Radio Mystery Theater on our drives back from the family cabin or watching the Sunday mystery movies, Murder, She Wrote. She had a basement full of mysteries, Agatha Christie and everything. So I, I read all that. Um, um, in college, I kind of played around with the idea of writing a, a romantic uh funny romance comedy um, just because that's what we were reading at that time all the and um, but I never really did much with the writing until uh, my kids were almost out of high school and I was thinking you know that it's time for me to do something for myself instead of doing all my volunteering to support the schools and and everything wrapped around somebody else instead of me so I got involved with uh, Sisters in Crime. I went to my first mystery conference that was Killer Nashville. And when I came back from that, I had an idea in my head and I started writing. I plopped myself down and started writing. That's awesome. That's great. And what you started writing was Lest She Forget. I mean, is that your, the, that's yes. wonderful. So you started out and you got your first manuscript published. Okay, that's a big hand clap. That's awesome. A lot of people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, don't, don't you know a lot of writers who have what used to be called a trunk novel, right? Of course, it's now on our hard drive, but um, something that was their, their learning experience. Well, that's yes. absolutely marvelous. So let's dive into Lest She Forget right now. So a, a big challenge of Crime Wave and other shows that feature mystery thriller writers is to, um, to intrigue our listeners to your readers with a setup without leading them too far down the path. So can you set the stage for us, lead us into the story? Yes. So the story opens up in a very dramatic scene in which a woman is uh, driving into a blizzard, um, fleeing something that awful has just happened. We really don't know what it is because we're not really inside her head. And as she, um, is driving along, she realizes that there's another vehicle behind her and um, soon that vehicle becomes aggressive and she's run off the road. She wakes up three days later in a rehab facility after uh, being in a, a small coma and um, she doesn't know who she is. Her face is battered from the, the accident or, they, or the uh, car crash and uh, nobody there is there can figure out who she is. So the 
a physician that's attending her, a psychiatrist, thinks that she's got this um, memory loss, which is psychological in nature. He calls it dissociative fugue. And he thinks that the whatever is has been bothering her, so she has these uh, horrific nightmares and flashbacks that suggest that she's got a really troubled past, which is causing her to forget who she is and what she is. So um, she, she, she knows that she's got to do something to kind of jog her memory. So she starts looking at newspapers and trying to figure out more about her own situation, where she came from, how she got into their rehabs facility. And as the people she's talking to um, answer her questions, she starts believing that there's a shady character following her every move. And um, when people that she's talking to start dropping dead, she knows she's in real trouble. So it goes from there that she's got to figure out who she is in order to escape this shady, this deadly character after her. Well done. Yes, that leads us right to the question. I'm not going to say another word about what goes on from there. You have to trust me uh, when I say it was delightfully twisty. Um, thank you very much for that. So um, was there any, um, I know you're, you've been a psychologist. Are, are you still practicing as a psychologist? Or? I'm an organizational psychologist. So when I graduated from George Tech, I went to work for Bell South at the time. So an uh, organizational okay. psychologist works with organizations to help with personnel selection, performance appraisals, team building, lots of different things. But we have to have a broad base of understanding psychology to do that. Right. Okay, so thanks for clarifying that because I guess uh, one of my questions, um, when there's something as intricate as dissociative fugue going on in a book, I want to know if there was any specific research that you needed to be to do to, to make the plot so 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 intricate, so believably intricate. I should probably uh, praise. Yeah, so um, I had to understand the different types of amnesia first. You know, there's retrograde and anterior grade, that retrograde is what you can't remember in the past, anterior grade is what you don't remember going forward. And um, and then whether it's a psychologically based, which is dissociative fugue versus something you have an injury or disease that's causing your amnesia, like you might have with dementia, things like that. Um, so it's important to understand dissociative fugue in terms of what causes it. And most people might better understand it if they think about battle fatigue or shell shock, which is what they called it back in World War One and World War II with um, soldiers walking away from the battlefield dazed and confused, unable to remember their names. So that is pretty much what happened to my character. She, she had a horrific um, PTSD episode and decided, you know, somehow she just walked away from it all, or in her case, drove away. Drove away, right. That, that was interesting and very nicely specific to help people understand that. I, I like that. Uh, I think I read somewhere that, lest she forget the title, was actually supposed to be something else at the beginning. Is, is that right, Lisa? Yes. When I first started writing it, I called it uh, Lost and Found because she was lost and then she found herself. And I went through a very big, deep... Um, development edit with an editor at one point that was back in 2018 I believe and after that I thought it really deserved a new title and so it at that point it was don't look back and that was the running title for a lot for for most of the time but after I signed 
um, my contract with CamCat and we went through um, putting together the cover, I decided, you know what? Don't Look Back has been overused many, many times. It's trying to find something new. So I brainstormed a bunch of different ideas and presented them to the editor. And we both decided on Lest She Forget as the top one. Never been used. So pretty catchy. And- it, is, it, it is indeed. It really gives you a, a flavor for... Um, the tra- the trauma behind it all, lest you forget. Mm-hmm. Great, it's great. Um, so um, you've mentioned a couple of mystery writers growing up, and I also I also grew up on mysteries. Um, so, are, what would you say are some of the biggest influences on your writing? Let's say on your writing, as opposed to on the other sorts of things that we all like to read. Um, well, I have to say that um, after college, I really got into reading a lot of the female private detectives written by female authors. Prior to that, it was mostly a male-dominated um, industry. And um, so I was big into Sue Grafton, Sarah Paretsky, Marsha Muller, a lot of those. Um, and more recently, though, psychological thrillers have been really, really popular, and it's hard not to get drawn into them. So, you know, Gone Girl, uh, Ruth Ware, and um, so many wonderful, wonderful authors. It's just They're so fun to read, and they really know how to build that suspense and that psychological pull that keeps you turning pages. And so um, I, th- I think the mo- so it's, I just really enjoy reading those and um, that's. Yeah, um, I, I think we probably went through a very, a very similar <laughs> uh, 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 evolution. Um, I, I did, I, I read all the Sue Grafton books. I read Marshall, I had um, probably almost all of their books in my, in my, collect, in my collection. I just mm-hmm. love them. I just love them. I have to say that one of the fun things, I don't read as many psychological thrillers these days, um, but one of the wonderful parts about doing this podcast is really opening me up to some of the, some, some new ones that are done. So um, that's, that's great. Um, Lisa, are you, <clears throat> are you writing something new that you can talk about? I'm, I'm working on a few different ones. Um, uh, I started writing. So when I was writing, lest you forget, I didn't really quite realize it was a psychological thriller. I, I had just started pantsing the story and just writing what, what came to me. And um, But as the, I became a better writer and I finally got published, I realized that there's certain elements that are that you have to a psychological thriller. So, But before that, I had started another mystery, mystery thriller, um, but it really did kind of fit the psychological thriller mode in that you typically have an unreliable narrator and they, they don't, they're always questioning what is going on. So I'm reworking a book that I was working on back then. It has to do with black market baby rings, um, which, yeah, there's a history of that in North Georgia and in Tennessee where uh, babies were being stolen and given up for adoption. Uh, back in the in the 30s, with the Tennessee Children's um, Home, where Joan Crawford and Lana Turner adopted their kids, and then there was an episode back in the uh, 40s and 50s in North Georgia. So, okay, you just presented two factoids that I was totally not aware of. That sounds absolutely marvelous. Well, your book. Um, 
uh, be set present present time or will it be set back in one of these historical It'll periods? Be present time because it's not about the um, it's about what happens uh, decades later. Got it. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll look forward to, I'll look forward to that at some point. Um, thanks a lot. Um, before we go off the air, Lisa, can you tell our listeners um, where you're most active online? Um, Facebook is uh, where I'm most active online. I have a, a Lisa Malice um, author. That's my uh, Facebook, um, Instagram as well. Those are yes. the two I, I, I use the most. Yeah, I've gone off Twitter totally myself. <laughs> I think I think a lot of I think a lot of us have. Um, thank you so much, really, for taking the time to chat today, Lisa. Um, Lest you forget is a delightful read. I recommend it highly, and I wish you amazing success with it and for your future, Lisa. And uh, if this new one gets off the ground, please come. And I'm still around. Please come back and talk to us. All right. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you.